Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. All right, everybody. This is Angelo Fierro, my favorite agent at Compass Concierge. Angelo, is this really the time we should be buying or selling a house? It's the best time. It's a record year. Sellers are seeing the highest prices ever in the history of LA. And for buyers, interest rates have never been this low, 2.7% for a 30-year fixed. It's the best time to buy. Oh my God. Well, what about COVID though, Angela? Like, this is kind of a freaky time. Like, how do you handle that? We take care of everything. We steam clean the house before showings and staging. We clean during, and we adhere to wearing masks, gloves, and booties. Okay, but what if I'm a tired mother? You know, this is the Warrior Woman podcast. We're tired, Angelo. How are you going to, can you handle some of this for us? Like, how do we do this? We do it. We do it. Our team does it and Compass does it. Compass Concierge fronts the money to prep and stage your home so you don't have to. And then we get you a nice massage after the close. Ooh, a massage. I'm going to hold you to that one. You can get in touch with them at asklosangelo at gmail. That's asklosangelo at gmail. Or call them, 323-821-5353. Thanks, Angelo. Thank you, Liz. Welcome back, everyone. I'm your host, Liz Swadek. And today we're going to talk about turning your fear into fuel, taking personal battles and making them your greatest successes. Many people, even in the time of COVID, are battling, battling mental illness, physical illness, and emotionally struggling. My guest today has been in a lifelong battle, but she's never let it define her. She's never let it stop her from moving forward. In fact, it's only a small part of who she is. And she has let this illness fuel her to start her own brand. You are going to be inspired today. Whatever is holding you back, get ready to let it go. But first, make sure you hit that subscribe button and leave us a positive review. Did you know the more positive reviews we get, the more people can find us? It is true. And everyone that writes a review this month is entered into a drawing to win my fabulous leopard slippers. I wear them every day. I love them. Okay, on to our sponsor. Have you ever dreamed of having your own podcast? I did. And I launched it but I couldn't have done it by myself. I worked with Becky Harrington. BH Marketing saved me. They helped me launch my dream podcast. They helped me develop it, brand it, record it, publish it, and even promote it. If you're curious about launching your own podcast, look no further than BH Marketing. That's bhmarketingfirm.com. And tell them that Liz sent you. Use code WARRIOR for your special discount. If you want to spend more time with me, go to thewarriormoms.co or DM me on Instagram at warriorwomenpod. I'd love to hear from you. Okay, on with the show. Today, I am so happy to have my new friend, Dawn Marie. Dawn Marie is an author, CEO, speaker, podcaster, model, and an MS warrior. For decades, Dawn Marie has lived with this and suffered from chronic multiple sclerosis, a disease of the central nervous system, brain, and spinal cord, which has impacted her life in many ways. Through her journey of learning about the disease, she decided to share it and help others. 
By connecting and sharing her story with other MS warriors, she has fostered a healing for herself and others. I'm so proud of the work she's doing. She's such a hero. She's such a warrior. I mean, she defines warrior. John Marie, thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Elizabeth. This is amazing. And I am truly honored to be on your show today. I just love you. You reached out to me on Instagram and now we're like officially friends. Now we're trying to make plans because we live close enough. We could actually see each other. Absolutely. I'm driving up there and coming to grab you and take you away. I don't know. You live at the beach. So I think I need to come to you maybe. (laughs) Okay, John Marie, I know you have many books. I don't know everything about you and I want our, our audience to know more about you. And I'm learning more about you all the time. Let's start at the beginning. You know, I like the beginning parts. What were you like as a little girl and what did you think you would be when you grew up? Oh my goodness. I was a shy, sheltered little girl in and out of hospitals. And I really never knew what I wanted to be growing up. I just wanted to be what I thought was normal. I wanted to be like everybody else in the playground and run around and have no fear of ending up back in the hospital. So from the day I was born till now, I've still been battling illnesses my entire life. But when you were little, what were you going to the hospital for? Because at that point, they didn't know what it was, right? No, 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 no. I was born with um, chronic um, asthma and Back then, you know, it was a big deal for people to smoke cigarettes and uh, it was considered a healthy thing. And both of my parents smoked nonstop and I was constantly unable to breathe and stop breathing several times, rushing to the ER that I spent my entire young childhood all the way up until my teens in and out of the rotating door of a hospital in the green tent is what they called it. Today, they do the mask of the albuterol treatments, but back then, they only had the albuterol featured within a giant green tent. So my life was isolated. Growing up was very difficult because I missed so much school that I had to stay back in second grade. So my ability of learning was hindered. My ability to be with my friends, I watched them all go a couple years ahead of me. I was constantly made fun of. And so I had no self-esteem, no awareness of really who I was and what I wanted to be. I just knew I wanted to be like everybody else. Let me tell you why this just breaks me up. (laughs) We're already crying. I knew I was going to cry today, but I just can't believe I'm crying on the first thing because I have asked that question to so many people. And you're the first person that said, I can't, I couldn't even think of what I wanted to be because I was just so worried about my health and just surviving and not being in this stupid green tent and what my friends are doing and going to school. I couldn't even think about it. That breaks my heart for you. First of all, you're such a fabulous woman and you've done so many fabulous things and I'm so proud of you, but that breaks my heart for your little girl self, that that is what you had to deal with. And I'm so sorry for that. I really am. That is awful. I mean, my God, no wonder you're such a warrior now. Look what you've been through, even from a young, young age. Yeah, and in today's world, many children are dealing with what I went through. And I have decided that, you know, it just has to stop. You know, the young children don't understand when other children are sick. 
And when children have to stay back for illnesses or disabilities, or they're born with a disability of unable to learn the correct way, and these things we need to talk about in the school systems and how to move forward as building that spirit from a young life to nurture them to move forward and not to be cruel. Yeah, I totally agree. And you know what I'm realizing as you're talking? I need to introduce you to Meg Zucker, who founded Don't Hide It, Flaunt It, which my son is a junior ambassador. I'm very involved with them. They're all about kids being like out there with whatever's going on and being proud of it and saying, just like you are now, as uh, it took you a while, but you're there now, being out there with it, right? And being a warrior for it and being the face of it and not being afraid to share it. So I you, I, I have to introduce you to Meg. She's going to think you're the greatest person in the world. Yeah, I, all over her, her stuff. But yes, I, I agree with you. It should be, and she believes it should be taught in schools too. It should be. And, you know, I mean, so many things are taught in school and, you know, the history is taught in school, but the ability to be kind, everyone always says be kind, but the ability to teach a young child compassion, forgiveness, awareness, uh, positivity needs to be started every day in the beginning of the day. Because once you get that mindset into the brain, you are constantly looking for the good. If you start any child's day off with a negativity thought, that triggers negativity throughout the day. And I never knew those things until I was older. I was just always taught, well, this is the way you are. And, you know, there's nothing we can do. You're just slow. You're, you have to stay back and you have to work with the little table in the corner and work with that teacher because you have to relearn everything. And what did your parents tell you? Were they like motivational or were they kind of, I mean, what, what, what did you know? My, both of my parents never graduated from high school. You know, they got married really young. They were both blue collar workers and, you know, they did their very best raising two of us. And, you know, I, I basically had to teach myself and I had a really great teacher, Mrs. Johnson. I speak about her in the book and she was the one that would sit with me at the table and help me read properly and help me learn to write. And the only one that really got me to understand how to proceed in life. And I was made fun of because I wasn't part of that classroom. I was in the back of the classroom. I was totally singled out along with a couple other children that were having difficulty learning, you know, but that's back then. And today they deal with it in a different light um, with children and special ability disabilities um, and just moving forward. I, but a young child's mind is critical today. Yeah. Critical. Yeah. And you know what, what Meg always says, and I thought it was so brilliant when she said this, is she says, it's not enough to choose kindness. You have to choose friendship because you can be kind and nice, you know, but if you're not willing to be a friend to that kid, right. And to get to know them, you know, they need friends, kids like you need friends. I mean, it's nice that someone's nice. Okay. Kindness, fine. But they need friendship. So I think it's really like you, you're, you're spot on with that. Um, I want to know, so you, you went on, you had it, you know, you worked in retail, you went to college. How did you do, were you 
again, at this point, they don't know what's going on with you. They're trying to figure it out, right? Like there's things go, you know, they don't, I don't know how they I was, can't figure it out. I was born with autoimmune issues. Um, it's my DNA. Uh, so I suffered chronically my entire life. I still have asthma, but I've been able to control it. All the way up through high school, I decided, you know, I'm not really a left brain thinker. I'm more right brain. I'm very audio and visual. And so I went into art and art saved my life and made me come out of a little bit of that shell of fear and being judged. And the artist world is uh, so much different from the average child high school world um, because we all see outside of the box. And we all are different individuals of an artist. So as the famous thing is, you know, the beauty is within the eyes of the beholder of the art in front of you. Everyone sees it differently. And you can bring that into your every single day life. And so that's what I grasped onto Mm -hmm. and that I could go into a field of retail, but take my degree with me of interior and fine arts and blend it into the world of fabric. And I was successful that way because it was all visual and it was all about selling the products. So I loved speaking with people because now I wasn't being judged. I wasn't in a classroom. I wasn't being made fun of. I was now an actual person in the world of retail and I was being kind and I'm not judgmental and not selling a product just to sell it. I would sell it to make you feel amazing because that's what I needed growing up. And that's what I was giving back. I mean, that's so, I bet you sold more. I I don't know. I would buy whatever in the world you sell. First of all, (laughs) there is nothing that you could sell that I would not buy. Uh, you're beautiful and you're just so dynamic. So I just can't even imagine. I'm sure you sold more things than anybody in the history of retail. I can't even imagine. <laughs> but you but you met your, when did you meet your husband? I met my husband when I was 22 years old. And um, you are still married, 30 years married. We Yes, we just celebrated our 30 year wedding anniversary on September oh 5th. Yeah, we got married September 2nd, 1990. We had dated for two years off and on. I um, broke off the engagement uh, in the middle of the two years of us dating um, because I don't like being controlled. (laughs) (laughs) You want to be free. Um, I'm a fight or flight type of person and it kind of goes back to my childhood. Um, And I knew that I still wanted to be me. I didn't want to be just the wife. And I knew it in the beginning. And yeah, I broke off the engagement and Robert suffered traumatically, um, got very, very ill. And I continued on with my life. And he called me and said, I'm leaving. And he was moving to California. And he said, I can't live without you. So I can't live here any longer. And oh he left. Gosh. It's like a and- movie. And he left. And, but before he left, he said, I need two weeks with you. And for two weeks, we spent every single day together. Um, every minute, every hour we took, I took time off and he pretty womaned me. Like it was right when the movie came (laughs) out, you know, um, uh, Richard Gere and 
Yes. And he totally did the whole pretty woman thing with me. And I fell in love with him all over again. And I said, this is the Robert that I love. I, you know, don't control, just love. Yeah. And he does um, really let you be, I mean, you've been together a million years now, but he, he really does let you just be yourself, which is amazing. Yes. Yes. And it takes years of work and constant relearning of each other. And it's an everyday movement of moving forward in the marriage. And it's learning to speak up when you don't appreciate something that comes at you. And it's learning to speak up for yourself and for your husband as well. But knowing that you're both entire entities, but you're one. Right. You have your separate, your separate personalities, your separate lives, but you're together. Yeah. That's amazing. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and um, you went on to have, you had your two boys. You have two boys? No, you have one. Well, boy. we were married eight years. Uh, I suffered five tragic miscarriages throughout those eight years. Um, from going to for the 14 weeks, all the way up to 16 weeks of pregnancy and all the babies died. Um, I had to give birth to two of them. Um, and moving forward, that destroyed me. And during that time frame, I was suffering from an illness. I did not know what it was. I called so them the, my- Were the miscarriages due, due to the illness that they just, again, still did not really well, know? Back then, they did not know what was going on. They did DNA testing. They thought maybe, you know, Robert's DNA and my DNA were not matching, but everything came back completely normal. Today, after realizing I have multiple sclerosis and knowing that the brain MRI that they finally did in 2012 showed that I had been living with multiple sclerosis since I was 20 years old and the lesions and MS actually does miscarry babies a lot. Um, It attacks that part of the brain and stops feeding the fetus and the ability of the fetus to grow. Um, it's a difficult thing. And there's, you know, 82% women living with this disease that have suffered so many traumatic miscarriages. Difficulty going through that. I was at the point of suicidal thoughts. I thought I'm never going to be a mom. Um, I can't torture him like this. I asked for a divorce. He said, no, we'll adopt. And I wasn't good with that, but he would not leave me. And I was drowning, drowning in sorrow, drowning in fear of I'll never be a mom. What else am I? It was a very difficult, dark, deep time in my life. Every day I thought about suicide. Every day I was in pain. Every day I was dropping things. I was losing my eyesight at work. I was unable to complete a complete sentence. I thought I was having a stroke. I would not feel my arms or my legs. Every doctor kept telling me, you're fine. Your blood work's amazing. You're young, you're healthy, take a vacation. So no one was ever really, really looking into, is this neurological? It was always, let's check your blood. Let's give you a checkup. Well, blood work doesn't do anything when you have multiple sclerosis. You actually need a brain MRI and a spinal tap. But multiple sclerosis back then wasn't, it was a huge problem, but nobody really understood the disease itself. So unless you actually had a stroke and they put you in to get an MRI, 
there would be no reason to do that. Yeah. So for years, I thought I would go to the priest and I was like, I'm being haunted. Um, I've lost babies. I feel like something is always attacking me that I cannot see. Oh my God, you thought you were going crazy. Like, my I, God, I had to have all these symptoms and somebody's telling you you're normal. Yeah, and I wasn't. And I knew I wasn't, but I didn't have proof to tell anybody. And if I ever, when I did try to explain to friends, friends let go. It's like watering the dead plant. They probably just could not even handle. They're like you, you know. It's well, you don't have proof. There's nothing wrong with you. Get over it. Like, take a vacation, Dom Marie. That's all I kept hearing. Take a vacation. You're fine. You're you. You look healthy. And I knew in my heart and soul that it wasn't my asthma. That there was actually something else going on with my body. So when when you got this diagnosis, you were 44. It was 2012. When you got the the diagnosis, was there any part of you that was relieved or were you just horrified because now you actually had, you know, a name to all these things you were feeling? Um, well, when I got the diagnosis, I'll have to exp- go back uh, one year. Um, in 2011, I had a hysterectomy and coming out of that hysterectomy, I couldn't walk or feel my legs. And they kept telling me there was nothing wrong. It had, would have nothing to do with the surgery and dismissed me once again. In the entire year, it took me forever to learn to walk again. And it was the stress of that surgery of having the hysterectomy that then the following year, the tumors went to my breasts and I had to go in and have a double mastectomy. So I was under complete stress mentally, physically, emotionally um, for two years straight. And after coming out of my double mastectomy, I woke up from the surgery and I'm like, I can't feel anything on my entire left side of my body. And I can't see out of my eye. And I started to panic and Robert's like, it's okay. It's just stress. You're going to be okay. We're going to give you your pain medication. And I started not feeling well. And I tried to push pillow on the bed and I tore my stitches. Mm. I got a major staph infection and Then I tried to be a good mom and I tried to let Robbie drive, learning how to drive his car and get a license. And by the time we got to where we were, I was so frantic and in so much pain that I couldn't feel my entire body. I was burning up with fever. I stepped out of the car and fell into a fire hydrant drain. Oh my God. John Marie. My ankle wide open. Oh my God. By the time I got home, I was hysterical, crying, could barely walk. Now I'm bleeding. Where were you going? You were going home from the hospital when all this happened? No, I was actually driving. Robbie was learning to drive. He wanted to go to the movies. So I let him drive. And by the time we got there, I was so stressed out from him learning how to drive that I was just like, it's falling apart. And he pulled over right by a fire hydrant. And when you step out... I stepped out into the, the, where the fire hydrant was and the drainage thing that they open up wasn't sealed. And when I stepped on it, it, I fell into the hole, my left leg and it sliced my ankle. Oh my God. So I have a staph infection, um, on a hundred thousand milligram, a thousand milligrams of, um, Oh, shit. I forgot the name of the medication. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter. Whatever. Antibiotics for staff. And then 
went to the ER. My husband brought me, they cleaned out my wound and stitched me up and sent me home and decided not to put me on any antibiotics because I was already on them for the staph infection in my breast. That evening, I woke up screaming in pain that my entire body was on fire. And then I started to not be able to speak. And the whole right side of my face was like collapsing, like I was having a stroke and I couldn't move my arms. And then I couldn't speak. I was mumbling. And Robert rushed me back to the hospital. And when they tried to get the stitches out, I was full of green bacteria and pus and I had MRSA in my bloodstream and I was quarantined for an entire week. I couldn't see my children. I couldn't see my husband. They were running every single test they could from bone scans to cancer scans to you name it. And then the first brain MRI came back and then they just said it was trauma and stress from the two surgeries that I would be fine in a year. And still that you're not diagnosed at this point. No. So then um, when did they figure this out? Um, I finally, I collapsed more and more and more and kept becoming more and more paralyzed and losing facial ability to move my right side of my face, being able to hold a cup, being able to speak or remember, couldn't walk. I would fall constantly. I started falling into walls. Um, my body had just been through way too much of an infection. Um, the vancomycin that they put you on when you have uh, MRSA is an kind of like doing chemotherapy. It kills everything good and bad in your entire system and you have to rebuild. So what that did was it got to my white blood cells and white blood cells is what goes into your brain and it breaks that blood brain barrier and your white blood cells eat your brain every day. That is what multiple sclerosis is. Mm. So those two years of infections, stress, anxiety, life is the thing that broke me. And the reason why I finally got diagnosed after the third neurologist, I went to a female, Dr. Chowen. She saved my life. She did a brain MRI on her own. She did a spinal tap and it all came back positive. And when we looked back at the old brain MRIs, they realized the amount of lesions throughout my entire brain showed that I had been living with it since I was in my 20s. And she sat down and said, tell me your first symptom. How old were you? Tell me your next symptom. How old were you? She spent two hours with Robert and I. But how, but you went to other neurologists before her and how did, why did they not why could they? What? They didn't want to do the spinal tap. And did they, they do the brain MRI? No. They did the brain MRI and they're like, well, you do have white matter and you do have lesions in your brain, but you know, have you ever been paralyzed like this before? And I'm like, no, this is all new. This just recently. And they yeah. dismissed me yeah. again and blamed it on blamed it on my hysterectomy and my double mastectomy and the stress of being a mom. And the stress of being the corporate wife and anxiety and put me on Prozac and sent me to a psychiatrist. And 
everything else. Um, and constantly still being told. arrested for, for doing this. I mean, right. whatever. Okay. So this woman, this amazing doctor figured saved, it out. She saved my life. She sat us down and on the way to the final reports, I said to Robert, she's the one she's going to save me and she's going to give me the answers. And we walked into the office and Robert was shaking and holding his hands in prayer and she goes, you have multiple sclerosis, Domery, and you are relapsing, remitting, and moving closer to a secondary progressive multiple sclerosis. And within a year, you're probably going to be permanently in that wheelchair. I just looked at her and I got up with everything I had and I gave her a hug and I said, thank you. And she looked at me like, what do you mean? And I said, thank you. You finally answered everything that has been haunting me my entire life. Oh my gosh. Now I need to learn the disease and now I need to fight back. Right. But you, before you didn't even have anything to fight against, right? Yeah. It was like, I, that's why one of your books is called like Phantoms. Yeah. Uh, Living with Phantoms. Living with Phantoms because it, it was like that, right? Like a ghost, like nobody's believing you. No one, uh, no one knows why this is happening. They're telling you you're crazy. Yeah. They're real. And then you finally get this solid diagnosis, actual proof. And then you, you, so it invigorated you and made you say, Oh my God, now I have something to fight against. Yeah. I was like, I'm validated for over, you know, 30 some odd years of my life, other than being told I had asthma and allergies, I was finally validated. And that to me was so important other than stressing about the disease. Yeah, I had proof in my hand saying, you're not crazy. You have a disease that is destroying you and killing you with no cure. There's no cure for MS. Yeah. All we have is drugs to help us get us through the time. So then I suffered years with drugs because the drugs, I was allergic to every single one of them that it got to the point of after writing my book, living 52 years of my life and writing it down brings up a lot of haunting memories. Yeah. Well, and all the things you went through unnecessarily, right? Like unnecessarily, you didn't need to be going through all of that. It's just, you couldn't get anybody to really believe what you were saying or go a little further, right? Down the road and look at something else, not just get stuck on the blood work and just tell you, Oh no, go take a vacation. Like that's ridiculous. Um, you have it's said not just me. It's you, everybody that goes you, through this. A hundred percent. You have said, I mean, you've said connecting with the other MS warriors has been like a great healing for you. So tell me about when you like kind of decided, you know what, I'm gonna share my story and how that decision has kind of propelled you forward. <laughs> Um, it was my daughter's, uh, junior year. She sang choir her entire life and she got chosen to go overseas to sing in Switzerland and Germany and Austria. And, um, I had a chance to travel overseas. And at that time I was still learning the disease and learning how to eat and learning how to sleep and rest and like take care of me. And I thought, I can't do this, Simone. And she was like, mom, it's one in a lifetime chance. Please come. And Robert was stressed. I was stressed. My neurologist said, go. If something happens, 
bring your paperwork with you. You know, you have MS. They can give you medication over there. If you need it, just go live your life. So with the okay from my doctor and medication to help me sleep when I needed to sleep on the plane and during the, the time, but it was a full 14 day roller coaster ride of buses, planes, trains, concerts, but those concerts were so invigorating and so beautiful in all these amazing churches overseas and the love that was poured out of these choir children and the people that came to these concerts and seeing history all around me and going to the Von Trapp family church. Oh my gosh, I would die for that. From the sound of music. I swear the day I was in there and I prayed to God to give me the strength of what this disease is and what I need to do moving forward. I knew it was given to me for a reason. I just didn't know what. Yeah. And I prayed to every single church while we were there. I got my answers when we got home that I was strong enough that no matter what, I'm going to live my life. Yeah. I'm not going to be fearful any longer. And I'm going to continue to move forward. Whether I drop that day or whether I have no eyesight or no speech, I'm going to continue to speak as long as my voice can be heard. And so my daughter had me start an Instagram. September. My daughters are four. They're supposed to help us start the Instagrams. <laughs> you and I always talk about our tech challenges. This is what daughters are for. This is, this is what they're for. And they're women. And she taught, she got me on Instagram on September 17th, 2017 was my first post. Oh my gosh. I love it. And at first I didn't really know what to talk about. So I'd post like a workout or food or how am I doing and how this medication wasn't working and like trying new medication and moving forward. And I'm like, I can't reach that many people. And then I learned the tools of Instagram. Yeah. Hashtags and how to hunt and how to find followers. And I wrote a letter. And every Sunday I spent four hours in my chair and I would literally go out under multiple sclerosis hashtags, MS hashtags. This is MS. Uh, multiple sclerosis family. And I would send a letter to every single one of them. And I would say I got about 80% response back. Yeah. And we built a community of love and trust because we always say you don't get it until you get it. Right. Everybody around the world, I have followers all around the world that I follow and they follow me. And we know we can pick up that Instagram phone line hit the, the little camera, see each other, cry, take notes. What's working for you? Learn from each other. Working, yeah. this is working for me. What kind of doctor are you seeing? What are you doing next? And a lot of them, the interferon drugs work amazing, but a lot of us, we're all allergic to certain things. So we've literally built such a strong community of multiple sclerosis warriors. And we are Sometimes I think we're stronger than real family. That's amazing. Because we all understand what that disease does to us and how it made us feel. And they are my family. 
They really are. And you know what? I can attest to your international audience because I did a uh, Instagram live, which was also a podcast with you and all these people from all over the place, Italy and all over the place were like, hi, John Marie. Ooh, there's Liz. Oh, hi. I mean, it was so crazy. Like I haven't had somebody, when I did Instagram lives, I haven't had so many international people jumping on there before. That was crazy. Yeah. It was amazing. But like, you do. You have a very amazing community. But the disease is international, just like yeah. cancer. Just no, like of course. Heart, just yes. like any other disease. Yeah, but you could tell that they really knew you or f- felt close to you, just the things they were saying and how they were responding to us. So it's, I, I can really attest to that your audience or your community is very strong, very, very strong. Thank you. Thank and you. Tell, me, tell me, I mean, we've t- I, t- I talked about this a little bit in the, in the intro, but you know, I can't imagine, and I've said this before, I, I, I just talked to these amazing women uh, that run the Cancer Cartel, which I think is the greatest name for a charity. The cancer I love that. Cartel, the it's cancer like a Cancer Cartel. I yeah, love they're that. Like, you, they're like, once you're in, you're never getting out. I'm like, I'm never getting out. I'm with you girls. You know, like they're just amazing. So I'm going to have them on in, in uh, October for I breast cancer, cancer awareness and all that. But um, <laughs> they were saying to me, and we were talking about it. They said, you know, what's so hard is even in the time of COVID, right? As if COVID is not enough, as if the quarantine and the stress and the not knowing and the everything that's around that is not enough, then you're battling a disease on top of that. Like how, how have you supported your community or how have you pivoted? What, what, have, what has been your kind of way of surviving just with another thing on top of what you're already dealing with day to day? You know, the first eight weeks of COVID, I was scared out of my mind. I did not leave the house. We were windexing everything down before we really understood the disease is airborne and it doesn't stick to product or to, you know, fabrics and things like that. So I was literally in lockdown. Um, I, we wouldn't let anyone in or out of the house. Yeah. I think we were all like that. I think we're yeah. all like that. The yeah. entire world was fearful. Um, and the more that I understood the disease the, the disease itself of COVID and moving forward, I'm like, well, I can't just sit here and do nothing. Right. I need to like reach out to, how's everybody else doing out in the world? So we were on Instagram FaceTime with each other all around the world. So I was getting information from my friends in Austria and Canada and you know, uh, Egypt and, um, overseas in Spain. And so we were all able to connect with each other and that saved me. And I believe it saved all my other multiple sclerosis family, as well as the people that don't even have MS, but they follow me and we become great friends. And then I started, you know, searching for authors and writers and other people and stronger women in groups during this entire time of COVID. And COVID has been destructive and I've lost friends and I've had friends that have had COVID and survived COVID. But I've gained so much. I've gained a knowledge of respect and honesty of how mother nature can destroy, but give back. And that's a good point. Mother nature is a thing that we cannot control. No, we, we cannot thought we could control it. Didn't we? We had, we, we, we really thought we were like controlling the environment. And then the environment was like, we're going to take everything back. Exactly. We're going to take our, we're going to take, take the pollution away. We're going to take our rivers back. We're going to take our mountains back. I mean, my God, 
That is right? exactly what happened. Right. So I just decided during this time frame, what else are you going to do, Don Marie? Well, I wrote my book too. And then I opened my podcast. Yeah. And then now I'm working on book three. Yeah. So, and I'm and building my website during the meantime and building more of that community and just giving back. Yeah. Just giving back. Like if someone needs me and they want an hour of my time, I will sit and I call it coffee time. We're not allowed to have makeup on or and brush our teeth or do anything. It's yeah. called pick up the phone in your ugly pajamas and let's just chit chat. Yeah. And that connection is so important. You're right. Like I feel like connection and also doing things for others right now are two things you really need to do to survive this because really you have to kind of get, take your mind off of yourself, you know, exactly. and when you're thinking about somebody else and what they're going through and you're talking to them and you're kind of listening and trying to figure out what they're, you know, be there for them, you can kind of take a break from all the things you're worried about and yourself and all the things you're, that are bothering you and you can focus on someone else. So it's so true. I think it really heals you. And then at the end of the conversation, the other person always says like, oh, I feel so much better. And then you think, well, I feel better too. Like, you know, this, it really does. It's everything. It is everything. And, you know, because we did not have the human contact, we still have the visual contact. Yeah. And how you see a face and how you hear a voice can change yeah. the world. Yeah. Tell me what, what's next for you. I know you're, so you're working on the third, third book, but I also, you told me that you're going to make it into <laughs> a movie. I've had so many people reach out to me saying that living with phantoms and finding the sun through the clouds needs to be a book. Excuse me, it needs to be a movie. That this is literally my entire life from two to 52 years old and continuing moving forward. And that it's written so well, but it's actually written exactly the way my life happened that it needs to be told. And I've had so many people reaching out that now I'm looking for a screenplay writer to take the book and turn it into a screenplay. I told you I'm going to help you find someone. I have some. I, I, yeah, I would love that. And then I will literally market it to anyone that will pick it up so the world can truly understand how destructive diseases can be that you cannot see them. Yeah. There are way too many diseases in the world today that people are taking their life. I tried to take my life last year. I was on another medication that made me sepsis that was trying to help me get through my nighttime tremors. And for an entire year, I was taking the the drug and I went from 120 pounds to 153 pounds of pure water, sepsis, of just complete depression, exhaustion. And I thought, I can't handle another disease. And I thought everyone would be better off without me. Yeah, well, that is 100% not true. You know that. But I, but I, but I, this is what is amazing about you saying this, Don Marie. Is that you, I, look how far you've come. And even that, even... Even with how far you've come and all the things you've built a year ago, you were like ready to end it. And that is really important to tell everybody that this disease, these diseases, you're right. It really will take you out. Even I knew what I was doing was helping. I just thought I, if this is another disease, I can't do this to my family. I can't, I'm not strong enough. And 
I left the house and usually Robert would be like, okay, she's leaving to write a little bit, or she just needs her own space because I am a fight or flight. And, um, I took every single drug knowing that I knew what I was going to do. And I left him a goodbye video. And I didn't know the video was connected to my iPad at home, even though I had my phone with me in a hotel room. I locked the door. I said my goodbyes to everybody. I took every single pill I had ever been given that I was allergic to that I put away. And I fell asleep. And I thought I was going to never wake up again. Robert got the message in the middle of the night because the iPad blinked. Thank he cracked my phone. He got to the hotel, demanded to go in. They got the door down and he saved my life. Well, that, was meant to be. that was meant to be. And I realized at that moment, okay, I'm not meant to die. Once I figure out what this is, and then they realized I was sepsis and it took a year to get it out of my system. And since then, I don't take any multiple sclerosis medications except for Cymbalta to keep me at a normal level of happiness. And I take all natural supplements now. All natural. I'm so glad you found a path that works for you because my God, I mean, if anyone... I mean, I, I I can't imagine all that you've been through. No one would begrudge you saying, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. No one would begrudge you that because you've been dealing with this forever, but you are literally keeping other people alive. Just seeing how you thrive, seeing how you go forward makes other people understand they can go forward. So everybody needs you, John Marie. So you cannot, you have got to hang on because everybody really, really needs you. And this community just literally thrives off of you. Thank you. And you're beautiful and gorgeous. And I love you inside and out. You're a gorgeous woman. So I'm so proud to know you. And I often tell people, you know what? We forget as women, we can do hard things. But you know what? You've never been, you've never forgotten. You know why? Because you've had hard things your whole life. So, (laughs) but you've got a world of proof that you can do hard things. I mean, a lifetime that you can. So you have got to just keep going no matter what. That is my journey and I've accepted it. And um, I've realized my body's been through too much. I can't take any uh, pharmaceutical drugs. Um, And I had to do it God's way, which is natural. And I had to do it spiritually. And I had to find myself again, not the wife, not the mother, not a friend, I had to find Amarie and I found her a year ago, right after I tried to take my life. I took a week, my very first vacation without my family or my husband ever, a week of healing on the island of Maui. And Maui connected me back to who I was. That's your third book, by the way. My well, that could be book four. Okay. Um, <laughs> book four. I'm going to tell you what it is right now. Book four is that week in Maui. I'm not kidding. That would be an incredible. That first vacation, the first time you said, "I need to find myself. I need to know who I am." Writing about that, that would be an incredible fourth book. 
That would be an incredible fourth book. Yes. After we get book one and two into a film. Yes. And book three. Book three is my inspirational poetry that I write. Like manager career. That's what I'm just thinking about. Yeah. Go ahead. I need you to just be my manager and my screenplay writer and my all eyes and ears of the awesomeness that you are. Well, and but I'm not helping you with tech because we both decided we suck at that. (laughs) We are helpless. We just we need our daughters. We need our sons. We need people to help us. I need my husband. Although I interrupt this podcast, I got very mad at him. But still, (laughs) I'll let him help me with the tech. Okay. Guess what? Guess what time it is, Don Marie? It is the speed round. Yeah. Speed round. We made it. I knew we were going to ball our brains out and we did and we cried and I know everyone else is crying too, but you know what? We've gotten to the speed round, so it's time for a little happiness. Yeah. What, what is your cocktail of choice, Don Marie? Oh my God. It is Quintessa. What is that? Quintessa is my ultimate favorite wine. It is a beautiful blend of grapes, from red or white or it's what is red it? it's okay. a red cabernet oh. it's my favorite it makes me giggly. it makes me happy and i love it oh my god my husband loves cabernet i'm gonna have to find that one i've never <laughs> okay. and i love the name quintessa i know quintessa it's like a princessa quintessa queen it's like a right and a princess together quintessa yes yeah what I, I mean, this is going to be impossible for you because you probably have 20 mantras or quotes you live by, but can you give me one of the mantras or quotes that you live by? Keep inspiring. Oh, I like that. Keep inspiring the world through your tragedy. Mm, I love that. What simple thing do you do for yourself? A self-care tip, and I know this is especially important for you. Yes. This is a life or death thing for you, but what is a simple thing that we can do, maybe adopt that you do? Oh my gosh. I get up every morning. I walk to my my mirror. I look at myself and I say, I love you, Dom Marie. And today we're going to have a great day because putting that positivity into your mindset, the first thing that you think of will set the tone for your day every day. And I finally realized when I was in Maui, I loved me for me after 53 years of hating myself and not understanding what it was I was going through. I finally am able to look in the mirror every single day and say, I love you. That's amazing. Because you are who made me. All these things have added up to the most amazing person that you are. What makes you feel unstoppable? (sighs) What makes me feel unstoppable? Oh my gosh, that's a tough one. I I, I don't think that I'm unstoppable. I think you are. (laughs) That's insane. You are Um, one of the most unstoppable people I know. Look what you do. What makes me feel unstoppable? What do you feel like when you're like yeah. on fire, when you're like, I'm going to do this? What makes you feel un- unstoppable? When I smile back at myself in the morning and I really feel the love. Like when you really reflect that back to yourself. Yes. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's some deep love right there. Who do you most admire? 
Mother Mary. Mother Mary. Yeah. I love that. That's a great answer. What is exciting you the most right now? Really exciting articles coming out about me in five magazines. Domery Healthy and Fit. The program is finished and moving forward. And then I'm going to be starting my t-shirt line and a little extra something that will be going on. Oh my gosh, there's so many exciting things happening. This is awesome. (laughs) I'm just excited that I get to be in in a front row seat watching you do all these things. Well, you're going to be in the front row directing my movie. (laughs) I I know you want me to. I'd love to direct your movie. Okay. Well, listen, Don Marie, I thank you so much for joining me today and for sharing this because I know it's not easy to tell these stories and kind of relive it and all that. And I just really appreciate you. Because there are people who are going to hear this and really feel like they are going to join your community. They're going to get on board with you and they're going to decide to be an MS warrior or just a warrior in their own lives, whatever they are going through. So thank you so much for sharing this today. Elizabeth, thank you so much for becoming the amazing warrior you are and celebrating the life of women warriors around the world. As you say, we are not born warriors. We become them. Yeah, from the tragedies of our life and the love in our life. So we need you. Keep inspiring all of us. Keep hunting for those amazing stories. You have built an amazing platform for women to share what they've gone through. And I am greatly appreciative and honored that you had me on today. Well, you, if there, I really have not had someone who's more of a warrior you break me up than you. So thank you so much, John Marie. I love you. Thank you for coming on. And thank you for being who you are and continuing on no matter what you are unstoppable. You don't, I can't believe you don't even know, but you are, you are unstoppable. And I'm just so just amazed by you, just what you have been able to do and how you touch people. So I love you. Thank you so much. I love you too. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us today. We're just boohooing all over the place. (laughs) Remember (laughs) to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review. This is Conversations with Warrior Women Podcast with me, Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye. Bye.